Yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. It's easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the call for everyone else. But again, who's, who holds up the banner and the calls for That us? we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have been yes, doing. All right, my sister, it is so good to see you later. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Timely Wisdom. I'm Roz Lewis. Leslie, thank you for joining us all the way from Delaware. So good to have you with us on today. Sharon Mitchell out of Flint, Michigan. So good to have you with us on today. Those of you who are coming in and joining us, please, please, please like, tag, and share. Let us know where you are listening um, what city? Where are you from? Um, make sure that you um, put that in um, for us on today. Um, I'm going to get started. Uh, it's it. Uh, we had uh, it has been snowing in D.C. now for the last two days. It's tapering off. But tonight they said it's supposed to be the coldest day in coldest night in five years in D.C. And so that even though the snow has stopped. Um, then, you know, all the other things of I, delays and everything else with the ice and the black ice and all of those other things. And so it looks like the kids will have another day um, out of school. How are you, uh, Wallace? How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's cool here in, uh, well, let's say cold here in Hotlanta. Um, <laughs> it was like, uh, let's see, what, what it was a like. 13 degrees this morning and supposed to be uh, some bad weather coming our way tonight, uh, late this afternoon and tonight. And uh, I don't know if the stu students are be in school tomorrow or not. So yeah, we're experiencing some crazy weather as well. I've been talking to folk in, um, in Oklahoma and they have been snowed in low, low temperatures, cold, and some of the folks don't have heat or water. Uh, eat The same is going on in Louisiana. So, and uh, it looked like there was like three or four inches of snow in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, so this morning, so it's been, the cold is across uh, the, moving from the Southeast. They say Texas is crazy as well. So it's been going all the way up to you, Dr. Byrne. Yeah. Um, when I got picked up from the um, airport on Sunday, um, I was uh, told that in Milwaukee that the power had been out because the storm had already hit, as you know, the Midwest at that point. But mm -hmm. that, um, they, that power was out in that area, and they had been informed that it would be probably up to 48 hours before their power would be stored, restored mm. um, in those areas. Hello, those of you who are coming in, coming in, let us know um, um, where you are, where you're listening from. 
And um, for those of you who are part of the D9, I see that um, Dr. Wallace hasn't bothered to say it to me today, but you know, it's our founder's day. It is the Zanus day on today. And so, um, yeah, thank you. All right, thank you so very much. All right, put a little, re as they I, said in color, I, I, I don't remember said in color purple, put a, put, put a little respect on it. Okay. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I, I don't remember <laughs> Happy Founders Day on yesterday. So okay, that was yesterday, right. but we are today. We're putting uh -huh. those things behind. Uh -huh. All right, we're looking forward and toward. All right, give, give me some, give me some respect. <laughs> today. All right. Hello. Hello. Play nice, children. Okay. Play nice. Be, be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. You know, you know, if you want respect, you have to give respect. That's all. And I, I believe that I have, you know, I have, I've recognized it when it was your founders. Hello. Okay. But then, you know, that's just what people do. You know, I think that is the system of oppression. You know, that's why you, you got <sighs> number Number 45, you know, talking about what he's going to do. The, the person who is the oppressor all of a sudden becomes the victim. All right. You become the victim. All I said was just say happy Founders Day to me. But no, you had to go back to the Civil War and talk about no, the war. Yesterday. Wasn't the Civil War. Yesterday. <laughs> you know, okay. You had to, that's, that's you had to do that. That battle that's over. That a battle long time from the Civil War, girl. <laughs> With us on today, because here it is, your sister is not able just to say happy Founders Day. Thank you, um, Madam, <laughs> aka Marjorie Scott. All right, I all right, God bless you. Founders Thank you. What's wrong Thank with you? you? That's all. That's all I was saying. Just say happy Founders Day, okay. Dr. Wright. How, how you all doing in Kansas? We are doing. Kansas very city. well it is cold in kansas city just as it is in so many other places um i you know the weather doesn't really bother me i mean it just it's part of life you just gotta do what you gotta do so i do what i gotta do but um my puppy is loving the snow every time i open the door she just gets so excited um, correction Correction, that's a that's a bear that you have that is not a puppy. When you say puppy, people think small. Okay, she's what you have is a six-foot animal. She's okay. sitting here and she's very sensitive. She only weighs 135 pounds, but and, she's really sensitive about people talking about her. Um just tell me where I lied. That's all. <laughs> She's gonna be special today, right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She's gonna be special today. It's Amen. okay. She's gonna be we, have, we have one of our viewing audience right here. And and I saw that in the CNN report, and I didn't even bother to go and read the whole thing. But Nikki Haley, who did come in third, and who I was putting some some portion of hope in the Republican Party for, said, made the statement that there is no racism in America. A woman, Again? first of all, a woman. Again. <laughs> Come on. What, what's, what's, what's going on with these people? No, like, what's going on with the state of Iowa, period, that would make him their front runner? Uh -huh. I mean, has the man not been very clear? Didn't they say when people show you who they really are, believe them? And and perhaps they are because there's several in Iowa, and and I listened to to some of this uh, about a week and a half ago, but they said that that Trump really is the voice of of, of God that that 
that his policies line up with what God has said. And, and, um, and this, this is, these, these are, these are, these are, um, you all, y'all Christians who saying this. They going well, to I have to just share that I had a student that waited to the very last day of class in my online CPE program to say that Trump, African-American male CME, said that Trump was the best president we ever had. I thought I would go through and several and my other students thought we would go through the computer to oh, try to fail me. I said, you you just nixed every assignment you did. You just dumbed it up. I was so I was so up for, uh, upset that you know I just it just bothered the heck out of me. Why you wait to the last day? First of all, so you don't we we can't school you and give you some information and help you learn, give you some resources to read. Well, first part of the problem was he didn't want to read, so that was that was that that. Well, that then, and that's his base. That's a large portion of his base. The other part of his base was he works with blue collar white males who is indoctrinating him on what he what they believe. Okay. So that that was that was that. Okay. We have a lot of work to do. That's, that's, that's the same way a lot of the slaves got caught too. So, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm just grateful that I was a part yesterday of a clergy event that I'm gonna invite all of the clergy, um, well, everyone on our, on our call to check out Faiths United to Save Democracy. And it's a turnout Sunday. You can go back and look at the uh, webinar yesterday about how we can be engaged in helping our, not only our community, but other communities of color register and vote. So um, that, that we, got, we got some work to do. Mm. We got some work to do for this year. Dr. Wallace, I believe um, you have a wonderful guest that's waiting backstage for, for us because, you know, um, I'm, I, I realized that one of my buttons got pushed. And so before I get on my, um, <laughs> my little... <laughs> well, I'm so happy you recognize your trigger. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very much aware. And understand, you know, I'm still getting through over, over PTSD of, of having lived in the state of Texas with Governor Abbott. So oh, I get so. it. I'm I'm still in the midst of PTSD here in Georgia. <laughs> so uh, the only ray of hope I have is Fannie Lewis, so, mm -hmm. Fannie Willis. So oh, that's a ray of hope. But at any rate, thank you. Hold so on a second before you introduce our guest. For those of you who are just coming in. Um, it is the um, um, founding day for Zeta Phi Beta Incorporated. Feel free to put in the uh, chat. We are happy to me. All right, okay. Reverend Dr. Beverly Wallace <laughs> and ordained Lutheran clergywoman. Uh, she is a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Um, I believe she is a lifelong Lutheran. She was the first Lutheran, Black Lutheran I met at the ITC. 
um, when I was at ITC, she hails from Bronx, uh, uh, Brooklyn, New York. She holds several master's degrees and a PhD in family, social science, marriage, and family therapy from the University of Minnesota. Um, she has, she's currently living in uh, two places, Columbia, South Carolina, as well as Douglasville, Georgia. Um, she has, uh, she has children and grandchildren, if I remember correct, seeing on her Facebook page, um, as she shares with us, she has been the facilitator and we're going to talk about many of these, um, areas of her expertise, uh, including Black psychologists, emotional emancipation circles, um, community resilience model. Um, she's got several things that she can help us as a healing spirit, to bring a healing spirit, especially as we talk today about the blues, the holiday blues, grief and the holiday blues. She hails as a womanist scholar, uh, in the area of pastoral care. Um, she is a womanist theologian and she has taught in uh, both Minnesota at Shaw at the ITC. And she just recently returned and I cannot say this word, I'll let her tell you, but she came back from Portugal and Brazil uh, looking at global African perspectives and experiences. So let us welcome today our guest, the none other, uh, and she is uh, from another sorority, Delta Sigma Theta. We're just oh, so happy goodness. to have her uh, with us. We, you know, we sisters, we fuss and we argue, but yet we love each other and we get, we, we it's all in love that we tease each other. I, I just had to cut um, um, Dr. Burns. I can't call her name right now. Um, trying to make us look at at uh, those Zetas today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, it's so wonderful to always be first. You know, it's always easier to edit than it is to create. So, uh, you know, we have we have, we enjoy our time together. So welcome, Reverend Dr. Beverly Wallace, who people always get the two of us confused. Uh, she goes to my preaching engagement and I'm trying to get to hers um, because they often um, confuse us. So, uh, but she's my namesake and my initial sake, and I love her dearly. Well, thank you, Dr. Wallace, for inviting me here. I am loving this. I was in the backstage and just laughing my head off, thinking about listening to you and, and recognizing that what you're doing is healing work. It's already healing work. Um, there's a book called Honey Hush. I don't know if you've seen that. It's about African-American women and, and, and laughter and um and telling jokes, and that's part of the healing um, medicine that we use for our own healing. Yeah. So we um, have to laugh and keep from crying because oh. this world we get, we live in, and as African American women, and Dr. Uh, Burns, I hope you got the link that I sent you 
about the that I shared last week. Yes, I put I put it on our page. Awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. The the research that you know African American women uh, have PTSD way more than any other group in America. So um, I, uh, it was just astounding to me to see those statistics. But thank you, Dr. Burns, for sharing that with our audience. Mm, thank you for remembering to share it. Mm-hmm. And, and this afternoon, my daughter, who is an educator there in Atlanta, too, she just sent me a link to this article about suicide. You know, what's, um, what's happening, particularly in, in the academy and, the, you know, theological education and, and higher education, what's happening to our sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, just had one to, to commit suicide. Well, she yes, had I think I heard. Yes, her. and that she attempted to talk to a supervisor about the racism and the sexism she was experiencing. And um, uh, was it was it Liberty? What? Oh my goodness! I I, I remember just seeing that on um, on Sunday. Wow. Yeah, and so the question is, what do we do with that? And and that ties in with this topic about holiday blues. You know. Um, what happens after the holiday? What happens after you have all of these expectations? You're you're building up to the time of of celebrating, and what happens when you're disappointed, or it doesn't happen the way that you want? Um, and so, um, the time after the holidays, oftentimes, is uh, a real critical time for us to do some some healing work that's needed. My background is as trained marriage and family therapist, but also as um, as Dr. Uh, the other Dr. Wallace um, is doing in her work, um, um, years of clinical pastoral education. Um, suppose I decided not to do the CPE supervisory route because it was going to take me as long to get to do that as my PhD, and so. Um, the area of, of black families was something that I was really interested in. And so that was um, beginning of my work. You've done a lot of work in um, in grief and loss, yeah. um, mm-hmm. especially in the African-American community. Uh, can you give us, I know this is not one of the questions that we asked, but by saying what you just said about holiday blues and what happens having recognize this uh, brilliant African-American woman who just committed suicide. Um, Give us some pointers of of some things we need to look out for and maybe some solutions that, uh, first, I know we all, I, I, I always say therapy, 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 therapy. We have to have therapy um, as one of the just, as African-Americans in this country that experience so much oppression, we have to have some therapy, but can you give us some tidbits of how we can uh, navigate these holiday blues? Well, I, I think one of the things, and I'm, I'm grateful for your gathering here, you have your sisters, you know, and so to have sisters, others who can hear you, who can um, listen to your stories, who's gonna be there for you. And so making certain that you connect with someone or have someone connect with you, I think that's critical um, to to ways of uh, addressing it because you're gonna have some disappointments. You're going to have um, high expectations. And what happens is like a, it's like a roller coaster of rides and, and you get to the point, particularly after the holidays when like, 
okay, where's everyone? I didn't get the gifts. I, the people that I, I was hoping to be with, they're not there. And so finding, I mean, and so making and being intentional about connecting with someone is, I think, is the most important. And then having someone who can hear you, as Dr. Etihari would say, mm -hmm. having someone who can hear your truth mm -hmm. and be open to that. Um, I think that th those are the two most important things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, ooh, you talk about what we expected for the holidays that, that didn't happen. I mean, just before Thanksgiving, our audience knows that I lost my sister uh, very suddenly. And it has been, I, I talked to my, my other sister yesterday and it's almost every day that I think of, or I'm involved in something that reminds me of my sister and that gut wrenching pain comes right back. Um, so yeah, and and uh, having my therapy appointments, I, I have to, uh, I haven't done the journaling that she suggested, but I have, my sister offered to me, say, Brenda, why don't we just send uh, Alita some texts? So it's been, it's been kind of healing to type out the text saying, I missed you. And this is what I did and why I thought about you today. And, um, and that has been uh, very healing for me, uh, even though I didn't take the time to just write. And I bought a couple of journals to do journaling. Uh, but that's been a real quickie, um, quick fix for me um, in my healing process. And, uh, uh, and my right. right. Yeah. Um, re remembering that which you've lost and recognizing that the loss was significant. Um, any loss is significant. And so to not minimize that which um, that experience has been. Um, you talked about me moving, um, living in Atlanta and moving to Minnesota. Okay. In between that, I'm, I was in North Carolina. Um, I moved from Atlanta in 2014 and to take care of my mother. I lost my mother, my father, my brother um, from the period of 2014 until 2022 doing caregiving. Um, it is just now, two years later, that I'm just beginning the process of healing because you're so busy. Mm. And oftentimes during the holiday, you get so busy with you know making certain that you have the tree correct, direction, you know, decorations, all that. And so it's um, that time after that mm -hmm. where one's extremely vulnerable. And it may be that um, the, the holidays remind you of someone that you love, you know, those experiences that you had as a kid growing up, you know, um, those memories. And so to be able to be gentle with yourself, mm. be gentle yeah, with yourself. I've heard that more than one time to give yourself some grace and be gentle. Exactly. Uh, with yourself. Yeah, that, that's good. That's that's good. Thank you. Uh, for sharing that. Um, we had a few questions, uh, uh, particularly about some of the things you're involved with. Tell us first about Brazil and Portugal. What happened and what did you do? <laughs> okay. Well, it's, I, it's interesting when my husband passed away, it's really interesting. My husband passed away at the same time that the book that I co-authored, um, African-American Grief came out. Mm. 
And so at his memorial service, um, I had a colleague of mine read a poem called She Lived. Um, and and um, I'm, I'm going blank at the, the name of the, the, the poet, African-American woman. Um, Dr. Peter Nash was the person who, who um, read the poem. About three years ago, he passed away. Oh, wow. And so he had been doing work on um, identity, black identity, and um, sadly, although Brazil at one of our Lutheran seminaries there, mm. um, African American brother connecting with African um, and African diasporic um, sisters and brothers um, in in Port I mean in Brazil. And so when he passed away, I just I connecting with a sister, one of his his students. Um, who started a program called um, Blackness in Church and Society, um, working with um, 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 African Brazilian folks, um, working with um, the new um, refugees who are coming from from Haiti and from from um, from Venezuela to help them to um, to acclimate to Brazil learning the language imagine learning going from french to portuguese or from spanish to portuguese and easier that way mm -hmm. but in order to do it so that they could have they can protect themselves so they can know their rights as women as african ascended women and so the work that i'm doing is making that connections continuing that relationship um and May, we're going to go back there. We're going to talk about health disparities and having a conference around health disparities. So that that's one of the things we're doing. Um, I connected also with Dr. Yolanda Norton, who is the creator of uh, the Beyonce Mass. I don't know if you've heard of Beyonce Mass. And um, so she lives in Portugal. And so that's the work we're doing is, is um, and she's also a woman, is the evolution of biblical scholar. And so we've connected, um, I invited her to put, um, to Brazil. And so we're making those connections um, internationally with the work yeah. of the healing work of black women um, in Brazil, Portugal, here in the US. Yeah. That's the work that I'm, I feel I'm called to do. Ooh, that's a lot. I remember when your husband passed away. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I was a student uh, between 95 and 98, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm remembering correctly, um, that we all kind of just, he was a professor at the ITC. Yeah. And um, so it really kind of, um, it, it, it devastated us. Um, he, was, and, he, was, he was only 53 years old, you know, and so, um, yeah, it was, it took me, it took me aback. Uh, I was doing a pre-doc fellowship at the time when he passed away and, um, and so, and I was getting ready and it was right outside of myself and do the work. Um, so I was on the coast of Mississippi for the Katrina recovery, doing pastoral care uh, um, for the for the for um, those who were surviving, who were still living on the coast of Mississippi after Katrina. Mm -hmm. That, what a big wow. grief that was. Uh, mm -hmm. People losing everything. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I had a house fire and I remember after the house, our home was rebuilt, I would go 
to the laundry room thinking I was going to take something off the shelf and then remember, oh my God, it's gone. It's gone. It's mm -hmm. gone. I don't have that anymore. So mm -hmm. that, that's a piece of that reliving the grief. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So how did you manage, I mean, you, your husband dies suddenly, um, you're working on um, on on your on your doctoral work, and then I hear you say that you also, though, in the midst of people who are um, who who are um, victimized and by by Katrina, and then then our country after afterwards of what happened. So, how did you manage to hold on to your own sense of sanity and being? <laughs> In, in, in the midst of this. I probably was numb during that period of time. And so, and I think that's what happens too. Um, in the book, African-American Grief, I interviewed several people from around the country, African-American people who, who experienced grief. And one of the things I mentioned it in, the, in the book is that we get so busy. We get so busy doing stuff. And so that's what I did unfortunately. And unfortunately, but it was typical. We're so busy doing stuff. It it took again some time, maybe maybe two years. When I said I can't do this anymore, I have to do I have to do some self care. And so that's when I came back to to myself to do the things that I believe you know that I I I needed to do for my own self. Seeing the therapist, definitely being around family. Um, um, recreating family, doing all those things. Um, I mean, because there was a lot around my husband's death, including stepchildren and issues around all, all, all that, that craziness too. Um, so, and let me let me ask you this, and I know perhaps we're we're, we're straying a bit from, mm -hmm. from 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 what what we invited you to come talk about. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but what, what, were there any things um, in reflection? Are there any things that you notice that black women are expected to continue to do, whereas white women are kind of given the pass as you are dealing with this, you know, and yeah, were there things that you notice when you look back on um, in, in that um, this, Yeah, the support, you know, okay, we're supposed to be able to handle everything, including the loss of a husband, including navigating um, systems of insurance and, you know, and, and, and all of that, we were supposed to be able to handle it all wow. um, and do it with, you know, hey, you strong black woman, you got it, you know, and I think there's a lot and, and we do it, our, I mean, sometimes we do it ourselves. You mentioned something about, you know, um, how we um, um, are complicit. Mm -hmm. We're complicit in um, not, in, in particular that, giving space to, to grieve and say, hey, this hurts like hell, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so again, you know, having a good therapist and a sister therapist who can understand what, what I was going through with all the family stuff, because there's family stuff that was involved in that too. Um, having someone, like I said, who can hold your truth. I mean, I, I can't say that over and over again, um, but also recognizing it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's gonna take some time. Um, it's not gonna happen overnight when the world wants you mm -hmm. to be okay right away. 
so that you can continue to to um, to uphold this role of being the strong black women for everybody. Mm -hmm. See, white women don't have to live up to a myth. Mm -hmm. And um, and I thank you for your book about uh, destroying uh, the strong black woman myth because it is a myth. We mm -hmm. get tired. We have to find a space um, mm -hmm. Before we get to what uh, Fannie Lou Hamer said, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because if you get to that spot, you can't, you aren't functioning um, at your uh, peak level. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is important to pull away. Um, I I'll just share something that helped me. Uh, I had to, like you say, be busy. I had to leave my sister's memorial service, go straight to Oklahoma City for a whole week. What I did for me was not turn the television on in the evenings at all. Now, for an extrovert, that was painful. Um, but I knew that if I was going to begin the he healing process from uh, my sister's death, that I needed to sit in the grief sit mm -hmm. in the silence um as painful as it was i think it, it helped me i don't know if it'll help someone else but being silent um we talked about journaling um th those are some skill sets that i think black women don't often get an opportunity to just sit and be silent and 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 so with that, um, both Dr. Wallace's um, and uh, and Black women having the opportunity to sit and be silent, I, I guess it, for me, I kind of go back to to the question of of expectation and how how then um, I I know for myself is that you know when I've experienced um, um, in, when I was in, in my pastoral role and and there was. Um, um, a member lost her husband, you know, the, the, the brain just kicks in of, I gotta be the, for one of the, uh, the most, the thing I heard most often was, Oh, I gotta be strong for the family. I got, you know, and, and at what point it, does it become okay for the widow or, or the mother who just lost her child Mm -hmm. to just sit in the chair and weep and 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 not get up from the chair at at what point does 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 she have the opportunity to do that and and then i guess my second question is what do we need to do as a circle of sisters before we even ask the larger society what do we need to do as a circle of sisters to say and to be that kind of safe space mm -hmm. for black women to say to them, no, baby, you, you don't, no, you don't, no, just, just sit, mm -hmm. just cry, just weep, just do nothing. What, how, what, 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 what needs to happen? Can I take that first, Dr. Wallace? <laughs> okay. okay. No, no, I, let's, I, let's hear from I, our guests first. Wallace, let's hear from our guests. That, that, that's fine, but I, I, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yes, go ahead. I, Cause I, I'm, Go ahead. 
it, it's okay at any moment, every moment. And we've got to give ourselves permission to do that. And we're going to have to help others. Like you said, we're going to have to help others, sisters and brothers who, you know, I remember when in my PhD program, we had to do this model of systems. And I remember when I was a you know, chaplain at Emory University Hospital, there was this young woman who had lupus and they used to call me the lupus chaplain. Many African-American women have lupus and this particular young lady, 16 years old said, I don't want to do what they want me to do. But the systems are com again, complicit, wanting to hold it with everything in place. The doctors want you to be strong. You have the nurses, the administration, all of that, those systems have to be broken up, broken down and distant, what is it? Um, um, breaking the homeostasis of the systems where, and, and people don't like that because you got to be strong because that means that I don't have to be responsible because you're going to be strong for me and everyone else. And so even with emotional, I mean, and so one of the, 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 tenets of emotional emancipation is we're going to have to defy the lot. Mm -hmm. you know, um, Dr. Shaniqua Walken Barnes in her book, um, Too Heavy a Yoke, talks about just the, the burden of being strong. Mm -hmm. And remember, we did this conference together and we talked about being strong Black women in recovery. And we're going to, I mean, and, and how do you do that? We have to practice that and then ex, and emancipate ourselves. Again, that's why the emotional emancipation from the lines that have said, if you've got to, you've got to be strong for everyone else. And you can't cry because that's a sign of weakness. A woman is values tears. And so how then do we embrace that piece as well? I think the piece that, uh, thank you, Dr. Wallace, I think another part of what Dr. Burns is asking is how do we help um, our sisters to be in that space? Um, and what I, I tell my, my students is, you don't have anything to say. All you need to do is show up. The ministry of presence and shut your mouth. Just Show up, shut up, and listen. That's it. That 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 is how, and to take that time to be with our our sisters, um, who are who are are grieving, and let them know. I don't I don't want you to say anything. I don't need you to say anything. Let us just sit and be. And like I said, as an extrovert, those of us that are extroverts, that is an, a very very difficult to do. Um, but you have to practice and you have to learn that skill. So, um, and, and I say it's easy for introverts, but it may not be as easy for them as I think it is. It's, just, it's difficult to just sit in silence um, for any period of time because our head, I'm, just a silent retreat, it takes me three days before I stop thinking in a silent retreat. I'm wondering too if there's, a, I'll put it this way, a, gener a generational gap. Mm. Um, I, my daughter was in a situation recently and um, she, she's early forties. She has this, this circle of sister friends. And so she went 
to the basement of this past weekend, went to the basement and stayed there and they surrounded her so that she can talk through, um, they can talk with each other about what was going on with each other. Um, and what she said to me is that um, she was taught from us, the elders, that she had to handle everything by herself. And she recognized that, no, that did not, that's not working for her. And so how then do we, you know, to answer the question or to even amplify the question, how, when do we, you know, we, we talk about sororities, when do we engage our sorority sisters and mm. in, in being real with each other? Mm. Uh, that's why I was laughing at the beginning of, you know, off stage, because you were being real with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what it's going to take, just constantly being real with one another about all the stuff that that, that makes us crazy. Like this whole election cycle that making me crazy, you know, all of that. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dr. Wright. I'm sorry. I believe another part of that is how we respond as well. Yes. It, 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 it's, it's really important, as, as you both stated, that we learn how to be quiet and just hear them. But then as you go along, if you do respond, it's how we respond. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, one of the things when I was teaching CPE, I always told my students, never walk into a patient's room where there's a loss and say, I know how you feel. Because you really don't, you don't know how they feel. You no. you don't know what that relationship was like. Mm -hmm. And so it be it's really kind of unfair to go in and say, I know exactly how you feel, or to make it a one-upper situation. Mm -hmm. Because um, and then the other thing is to be okay with saying, Wow, I really don't know what to say right now. I really don't know what to say. However, I'm here and I hear you and I'm going to love you through this. Yeah. And then the one thing that I, I, I've heard so many times uh, is as adults, we often say what you need to do is this. That what you need to do becomes demeaning because now you've taken away my power. Mm -hmm. you're like I can't make a decision. Mm -hmm. So a better way, find out what's a better way to state what you need to say to them. Mm -hmm. If it were me, mm -hmm. I may do it this way. Mm -hmm. Now you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they'll then they will figure it out. Mm -hmm. They'll figure out that possibly you have the right answer, but at least you didn't take their power. They're already mm -hmm. feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. Now you didn't just totally disarm them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's that's really good and thank you um dr wright in that when you when you said that you know i know how you feel i remember um i i, I lost um, both of my parents by the time i was 18 both of my parents were deceased and one of the things that made me the angriest was people walking up to me though and saying oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry now that just that made me angry because i had been raised that you say sorry for something that you did and that you regret that that you did that you your only responsibility for something that you did and for me i was like 
it made me, what are you sorry about? What, what could you have done differently, right? Mm -hmm. To, to kept my parents here. And, mm -hmm. and I think that the language that people often use in times of, especially I'm going to, you know, I'm getting back to black women is that, that there's language that we have accepted um, as, as being okay, that, that we have welcomed and we have accepted as, as that, that this, this is proper and okay. But what we are doing as sisters to sisters, and again, I don't even want to talk about the brothers and the white folk. I'm talking about sisters to sisters, that what we've done is that we, instead of helping the other, is that we're actually piling on more bricks onto each mm -hmm. other's shoulders and, and, we, and, and not helping the other really be, get to a place of being healthy in a holistic kind of way. And and unfortunately, on top of that, you know, we 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 couch it um, in in a whole bunch of God language, and so now you're already dealing with your humanness. Now you you throw in the God language on top of me, which you know, and our you know, and and wherever you are in in this, you're trying to work through what you're trying to work through, but we don't really give each other a a, a, a way out or a healthy place just to be. And to deal with our humanity. And I'm glad that you brought that up because when you say we give them that God language, mm -hmm. we have been taught that that's what's appropriate. And you got to bring God into this, you, you know, and make sure they know about God. Make sure. Well, guess what? I, 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 I had a young lady I was counseling and, and she's, she just kept making the same mistakes over and over. And so I said, what about 11 o'clock at night sounds like Bible study to you? Or that I, I should just drop by when you're a single woman, he's a single man. And so I said, you know, this, it's okay. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean it's okay? I said, it's a decision that you've made. It's a decision that you've made. And she kept sitting there. I said, obviously you've enjoyed it. And so, you know, this is what you're doing and so be it. She was ready for me to go into, you know, God doesn't like that and you're gonna go to hell and you're gonna do that. That's not the, that's not the point. Cause see, I'm coming home to a, 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 a fine red bone man. So to sit up and tell you it's not okay for you to keep open the door for this nut that keeps stopping by your house. I can't identify really, but I can help you process. I can help you come through that and make a better decision. I think too, Dr. Wright, uh, uh, and to my doctor sisters here, one of the things that uh, we must do is to- Oh, erase. you didn't come to the must language. Go ahead, let's Yeah, see. we have got to erase <laughs> the cliches that we give people around grief and loss. Oh, God needed a flower. Oh, it's going to, it, you ought to be through with this by now. We got to erase those cliches from our vocabulary and allow people to just be um, and allow the person to discern based on their narrative what's best for them. We we talk about you know if I if I were you I would do this no no 
what is your narrative tell you? What does your experience tell you? How have you managed these kinds of situations, um, even if it wasn't the exact situation? How have you processed them, uh, stuff before? Before you met me, you you have lived. So I, you didn't just start living when you met the preacher, the teacher. You you have a life that you can recall. Where are your successes? Where did you find success for yourself and not put on to others our stuff? And that, 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 that's the piece that, you know, I think the cliches we got to get rid of. Who gives us permission or who's there for us to ask those questions, you know, to, or to answer those questions with? I mean, who... We're so busy living or trying to live. When do we slow down enough to 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 and be in the company with someone to process those questions that you're asking? And I think that's the piece that we've got to figure out. How do we how do we live this life in a way that is not predicated on? we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got, I mean, when do we slow down to think about ourselves and all of the many emotions that we have, um, especially when there's, I mean, as so we can talk about grief, what, there's a lot of kinds of, of losses, you know, the loss of, of um, relationships, the loss of, um, the ability to move that when you, especially when you're getting old, it's like, oh, no, I'm not able to do the things that I used to. The loss of dreams. When, when do you, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that Timely Wisdom is doing that and you're giving space to an opportunity for people to, to begin the process of, of engaging in those conversations. That's what's needed. What you're doing is what's what's needed to create those spaces where people can do the healing work um, of of being free and being being free. Yes, mm. I, I think we do. Uh, uh, while we have a lot, lot of shenanigans and laughter. Um, we allow people to ask the questions that they want to ask. If we can answer them, we do. If we can't, we say, you know, it's okay not to know. Um, but we, between, somehow we can get back with them. Uh, uh, one of the things that I couldn't come right off the top of my head last week with the article, and I said, okay, I'll send it to Burns, and Burns can please upload it. So, it, it, it takes, we have to be committed to loving ourselves because if we don't love ourselves, we cannot really love anybody else. And loving, a part of loving ourselves is taking time, the time we need mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. ourselves. If it's running, if it's reading a book, if it's biking, if it's uh, even watching television, whatever it is that gives you that down, slow down time, mm -hmm. the quietness, the silence, the, the, whatever you need for you. Mm -hmm. We can't tell you what's best for you. 
you mm -hmm. have to discern what's best for you. One of our viewers, uh, Dr. Uh, Amanata Daniri says, I agree having found this space is definitely what I needed. And if I don't I don't know if you know the back the background on this, but Dr. Burns brought us all together during a very critical time and we started out really just having fun. And now <laughs> we're having fun. And so important. And there are so many women that are they want they're out there and they're saying, just hear my voice. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with this. I am president and CEO of my own fan club, and I'm probably going up to dues next week. So if you're gonna join, you need to join today. <laughs> right. I, and now keep going back to my daughter because um, it's real interesting. Um, New Year's Eve, there was a crisis, she had a crisis, and and she the way she talked about the crisis to her two young children, my two grandchildren, is um, she asked them, um, one's name is Aria, who's going to be five on Thursday, and then Mr. A.J. Tickle, um, um, born on April Fool's Day, and that last name is, is Tickle, right? Um, so, and that's my resource. So whenever I, I get down, I think about them, the two of them. And, but she was going through a crisis, and so she asked the question of them. When you're not well, who takes care of you? So Miss Aria said, mommy. Mr. AJ Tickle said, Nana, that's me, right? And so she said, well, I'm not doing well. And so I need to go to my mommy so that she can help take care of me. And mm -hmm. so she's come home to be with me so that we can do, so she can do some healing work. And in that process, we're doing some healing work as well. But one of the things she asked for, she said, I need to see my aunties. You know, wouldn't it be great if there was a circle of, of a seasoned, I'll use the word seasoned, and she used another term I can't remember, seasoned women with someone of her generation so that we can have, start having those conversations so that we can we can all do the healing work together. And I think that's a powerful way of something yeah. that we can do, you know, so that, yes, we have to do our own healing work, but we have generation, a generation, and my Miss Aria Tickle, who's five, who's gonna be five, that generation too, that if we don't do the work and if we don't communicate that with the next generation and the generation of that, the cycle's not going to be broken. It's not going to be broken. Mm -hmm. And well, we've got to uh, work it. Mm -hmm. wow. Dr. Wallace, um, we, uh, Dr. Beverly Wallace, we, we have about uh, four four minutes left, and I know we didn't get any of the questions. Any of the questions. But but um, but what are some things that you want to make sure that um, are left with this this viewing audience? I do think that you said that you had a book, and do want to put that in the chat so people can um, be able to find that resource and, and anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, um, well, the book is, it was a co-authored book with my, when I was doing my PhD, um, and it was just re-edited re, um, as a legacy classic series through a Rutledge um, Press called African-American Grief. And it's the stories of of men and women um, talking about what does it mean to grieve um, and they, some of them tell their own stories um, and so it's it's a powerful 
um, book of narratives. Um, so I think it's a good book to, to so that you can hear what the stories of other people. Um, what else would I like for you? Well, I just appreciate being here with you sisters. I see a lot of doctors that were um, um, making notes um, or um, putting messages on there. And the fact that you're doing this work, not only for others, but you're doing it for yourselves. Yeah. Um, that's what I would like to say. I'm currently in um, a, a new position, um, lifelong learning at Luther Theological Seminary. Uh, I chose to, in Columbia, South Carolina, and I chose this um, for several reasons. One, I, I needed something to do. Um, but secondly, I chose not to go back into a community that was not life-giving for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it, it, it was, it's costly, but it's worth, I believe it's worth um, the, the freedom to be creative and, and having um, learning outside of the, the, the academy, so to speak. Um, so um, look, I'm looking forward to, to doing some more work. Um, Dr. Jacqueline Grant, um, who is one of the renowned women's theologians, she is also here in Columbia, South Carolina, mm -hmm. along with Dr. Stephanie Mitchum, who is the author of, of um, Introducing Women's Theology. And so we're doing some collaborative work. So you'll be hearing more about the healing work from a woman's perspective that we're gonna be offering. Uh -huh. Oh awesome. Wow. Thank you for being with us. Hang around backstage um, for us, if you would, please. Viewing audience, if you've been blessed by our guest on today, please, please, please let her, her know. Um, she can see it in the chat. And we thank you um, for being with us on this day. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. She can read it. And uh, my sisters, God bless you. And next same time next week. Love you.